Thank you for tuning into Air and Earth, the podcast that lifts you up and keeps you grounded. I'm your host, Melissa Moffat, and I'm here to share some information that I've found helpful in my own life, as well as interview people on topics ranging from self-love of body, soul, and mind, social, environmental, and animal justice, mindfulness, business, relationships, ethics, and so much more with the intention of supporting you on your healing and growth journey as you strive to love yourself, those around you, and the planet just a little more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Air and Earth Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Remy Godwin. So I'm going to tell you a little bit how we came to meet each other and how we know each other. Because Remy is someone who has been on my radar for a while. We've kind of been crossing paths. We have a lot of mutual, very close friends. And then recently, you just like became a real person in my life. You just like sprung up. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, this is the Remy that like everyone talks about. This is the Remy that all my friends know. And so I'm at this tea ceremony in Boulder, Colorado with some friends. It's a very intimate group. There was just a few of us. And I believe we were talking about the feminine that night. Is that the night that you were there? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. And I've been to a few of them. So I'm like, which one is that? But we (laughs) go through this like process of being silent, having tea together. And then we just like talk for hours and hours and hours about, about our relationship to the feminine, who, who we are in, in partnerships and all of these things and just have these deep conversations. And I was just like, this woman is really like wise and amazing. And then after that, we connected on Instagram, I think like, or maybe a little before, but we really started connecting. We started chatting back and forth and you're also like hilarious. (laughs) So, and that's my favorite combo. Anyone who brings like deep, profound wisdom and like mystery and all of that juice, plus like a kick-ass sense of humor. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's (laughs) So this is this is how I know this woman, but I would love for you, Remy, to explain who you are. What do you do in this world? What is your your life's work? All of that. Hi everyone. My name is Remy, as Melissa said. I actually really struggle to answer that question. Who am I and what do I do? Because it's so. Am I allowed to curse? Can I curse on this podcast? Yeah, you can totally. Yeah, and I, I love asking. I'm always asking like very open-ended questions. So yeah, just answer it however you want. And yeah, you can say all um, Who am I and what do I do in the world? It's such a fucking philosophical question that I just go down this rabbit hole. But in the, in the context of like professionally, what do I do? I am an astrologer and through my astrology practice, I do counseling astrology. So it's not like getting... I'm air quoting, you can't see me. It's not getting a normal astrology reading. It's a cool astrology reading. I'm quoting mean girls right now. It's it's a counseling oh. session as well. So it's, like, <laughs> it's a counseling session. So it's like doing a one-on-one mixed with being held in the container of astrology versus a one-on-one container versus an astrology reading, if that makes sense. And so I do those counseling astrology sessions, I also have recently started offering courses as well, which I adore. 
because I grew up as a camp counselor and I've always wanted to integrate those two things and create this like virtual astrology summer camp kind of thing. So professionally, that's where I'm at. Like a mystic okay. counselor. I want the rabbit hole too. I want, you want the, the rabbit hole too. Rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, too. Okay, I'll take you there. Wait, I need a sip of tea. Philosophically speaking, who am I? The literal only appropriate answer to that question is I am me, right? I'm the voice who listens within my vessel. So if you have the conscious awareness to ask the question, who am I or who are you and what do you do? That means that we have a witness within and it means that we have this consciousness and they're separate entities. And so whenever I'm asked that question, (laughs) immediately I go into that space that's too deep and philosophical no great perfect so what what brought you like I feel I feel like people's stories are very interesting it's like Mm -hmm. what even brought you into the space of being an astrologist how did how did that happen I have this belief that the the vocations or the dharma rather that we choose is often something that we've been working on for many lifetimes. And so in the sense of astrology, it was something that I just felt hobbyist about for a really long time. So I've actually been obsessed with it since I was like probably seven or eight years old. And I would get in trouble at my private Christian school all the time for talking about it. I was not allowed to, and that made it more interesting to me because I've always been fascinated with the esoteric and mystical. And as I got older, probably 18 or 19, I started intentionally studying it. And I didn't really feel called to offer it as something like career-wise until a couple of years ago. And during COVID, and a lot of people with mystical gifts or psychic sensitivities had this experience during COVID time where they're the stillness of the world made the astrology channel for me stronger. And so it just became this, like, it became draining not to share it. And so I got in a space and now it's, it's rejuvenating to share. Mm, <laughs> so, so thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very cool because sorry, there's a slight delay. You go. It's, it's, it's cool to me because it, like I said, it was something that I, w- I was always fairly naturally good at. So people always want me to teach them astrology and I'm like, I can show you the foundations and I'm happy to do it. But the truth is it is, it's a channel for you or it's not right. Just like we ha- all have things. And so we can all learn something, but what comes naturally to us matters. And this is fascinating work that I came across recently. I think our mutual friend Mariana and I, I believe she and I were having this discussion, which is maybe it wasn't her, but there, there's a concept around. So we get so conditioned in our culture, like keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, right. Or, or try to learn as many things as you can. And everything that we have as a hobby, we try to make money off of it. We try to make it this thing versus staying in the space of letting it be rejuvenating and joyful for you. And really cool work I think came through maybe I don't know if people are conscious of this but something that came through via COVID was that which is like what do you actually want to give the fullness of your focus to what do you actually want to give your energy to so that you can develop it meaning if you try to learn six instruments at once you could 
But what if you actually put your focus on learning that one instrument? What would happen? And I think a lot of people did that during this past year and it, it maximized the channels for people. And so for me, that's what went through with astrology is I just didn't have anything else to do the past year, like all of us. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to really sit with it. And it was because no one had any fucking idea what was going on. And everyone started asking me because it's like, no one believes in astrology until the world falls apart. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, ah, fuck, like how can we have anything to root into? And that Mm -hmm. was a point for us to be able to root into and say, what are the patterns and what are the cycles and how can we use those? And so one, it was a literal psychic channel that just opened at the right time. And two, it was just years and years and years of foundations. Mm, I love that. (laughs) I think it was interesting seeing so many people have that, that opening up to what their gifts are. So I'm really, I'm really happy that you're bringing this forward because I, I look at your Instagram and your content. I didn't know you before COVID. I didn't even know you until like a few months ago, but (laughs) I look at your content and you're like bringing forward this like amazing work in the world. And I know that, you know, you're currently at the time that this podcast is released, you're going to be moving through this six month container called Zodiac with all of these amazing people joining. And yeah, I'm very happy for you and bringing forward those gifts. So I kind of want to lead off from there. And the next question I have for you, I have so many questions actually, but I kind of <laughs> want to go deep again. We're going to do yeah, the very open-ended question again. Okay. So in this field, because I know you work with relationships, you work with people individually, you're, you know, doing your own business now, entrepreneurship and it requires a lot of devotion, right? In mm-hmm. all of those areas. And I would love for you to just kind of riff on like, to you, what, what is devotion? What does that feel like? What does that look like? So, gosh, I mean, this is something that, you know, I sit with all the time, but it's been coming through so strongly the past six months or so. And the way I see devotion is that, whew, this is quite a rabbit hole. Let's see, how do I want to frame this? So we perceive commitment as this in all of us. So context, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're familiar at least some level between masculine and feminine energetics, right? I assume your audience is. Um, so in the masculine feminine energetics, not a specifically gendered thing. It's just something that exists within all beings, right? And so in that masculine energetic for us, we have this perspective of commitment that, and this is so linked to your work, Melissa, too, or it's like we have this perspective of commitment that I'm going to say cock blocks us if we don't <laughs> figure out it works with the masculine, right? So it cock blocks us because we don't, it's a... Um, It is a myth that to be in commitment to something takes away your freedom because actually when you're in commitment, you're the most free that you can ever be because it frees up your energy. And so to be in the commitment, which of course leads to devotion, they're a different energetic, but you start in commitment. And so when you're in commitment, Mm -hmm. you actually have so much freedom because now you're not on radar scanning the world, trying to figure out what the fuck am I going to do or who am I going to be with or am I all in with this person or not? 
and and this is relationship or career and it's kind of related to what I said earlier too which is like you could play six instruments if you wanted or you could play one and you could do it really really well and then once you learn that instrument if you want to add another one that's cool and that's the great conversation <laughs> I'm not saying be poly and I'm not saying you need multiple careers I'm just saying you can apply this however you want right and so with commitment, it is worthwhile to do the work around what is the resistance to commitment? What is alive there for you? What is alive there for me? What is alive there in the situation? Because whether it is the business that you started, the relationship that you're wanting to be in, that is that first initial initiation. And so our masculine energetic in that space tells us, ah, don't do it. Don't fully commit to the thing, right? So maybe that's like, don't invest in the course because I don't trust myself, because I don't have enough faith in myself to succeed or whatever the reason is that shows up in the commitment fear of the masculine energetic. And so when you look at devotion across the board, it's like first essential ingredient to devotion is to be in that commitment. And it takes it into, for me, a spiritual version of commitment where it's a uh, being in devotion. It's like being in commitment with the universe in trust with the universe that what you are committing to that what you are showing up to is it's a reciprocal energy exchange right so when you're in devotion you take your life you take your heart we are all beings that want to love you take that and you offer it as a gift to someone or something that you are doing and showing up for in the world. And when you do that, you become the most free ever because one, you're in this beautiful energetic relationship with God or the God of your own imagination. However, you have a relationship with the being that rules the universe. So one, you're in that co-creative experience with God and two, like you frankly have more energy because it's just really, clear and so you leave a frequency of like what is my purpose what am I supposed to be doing and you can move into that space of this is my guiding thing so when you're in devotion that's what you're doing because you're saying I offer my life as a gift I offer my energy as a gift I offer my heart as a gift to that which I want to serve and this is a you know, this foundation exists within religions. We come from a Judeo-Christian culture in the Western world. And so that is ingrained. And so there's also a lot of resistance in people's fields to devotion because we, lots of us, myself included, are so wounded by the way that we're taught to engage with this because there's so many restrictions on the relationship that you're meant to have with God that it's scary and it's not something that we're actually held very well through. And so this is why I think it's a, like a really, really big primary initiation that we can all go through. And when you actually go into devotion, everything else in your life just fucking magnifies. Mm, yeah. There's a deep dive for you. I love it. And it resonates <laughs> so much like from from you know being someone who's like in a business that I love and also like that was easier for me to find devotion in 
to like a partnership that just mm-hmm. over the last few months has gone from the level of like, okay, are we doing this to like commitment to like, okay, we're in devotion now. And that's like yeah. when we got engaged, that kind of stuff. But we had to go through so much shit. <laughs> so where does yeah. that, where does that come into it? The shadows and the triggers and the running away and the coming back and the mm-hmm. like, the mother wounds, the father wounds, all that kind of like, what, how does that, how does that come into play with this like beautiful, pristine, pure devotion? How do those work together? Mm -hmm. So the way I see this is, you know, it's important to acknowledge that devotion doesn't mean, or let's, let's use the term unconditional love in the context of this question. This is like devotion, commitment, unconditional love. These are all kind of in the same energetic, right? It depends on which part of the conversation we're investigating. So for now, let's use unconditional love. Unconditional love does not mean unconditional, excuse me, unconditional lack of boundaries. It doesn't mean that if you're in a trauma bonded situation and for anyone listening to this, right? If you're in an unhealthy situation, that doesn't mean that you need to be in devotion and devotion. I want to be really clear is a, is like the highest level loving offering that you can make. And you shouldn't do that casually. In fact, there really should be initiation and there used to be because we evolved tribally and there used to be support, which I said, like, we don't know how to do devotion because we don't have support in our culture to teach us how to actually make these choices. And this is why we're so exhausted trying to figure out, is this my person I'm meant to be with or insert career or whatever the topic is for you, right? And so in the context of the shadow work, it's very important for us to know our bodies and to know our energy and to understand what is shadow work and what is enabling someone's trauma, right? So like what is in the context of the relationship? And this is what makes it a complicated question because it, it depends. And so this is, this is why we work with embodiment coaches, right? Like this is why I do embodiment work with people because it helps us if I'm being really simple about it, it helps us learn our yeses and nos and we can feel it in our body and we can know on some level, this is my fucking person and I'm here to do this with them or we are just in a loop. And this is why the relationship work is so profound because the truth is we attract people that are on the same energetic frequency of where we are at in our capacity for devotion. So in the context of masculine and feminine energetics, again, the feminine is going to attract from the masculine, the level of consciousness he gives her is going to be equivalent to her level of devotion. She's able to actually contain in her body. And that's huge because that complaint often comes up and this isn't about y'all just pervasively or the complaint comes up where it's like, he's not present with me. He's not here consistently. Right. And there's versions and variations of that. We're like, I want to be fucked so deeply and whatever, insert the thing. And this is because it's our own practice to be able to sustain that level of consciousness from that person. And this is related to devotion. And so my offering to this, separate from if you're being abused, my offering to this is offer the devotion anyway. Let it be a practice. Because time isn't linear. It doesn't mean you're not getting a tattoo on your forehead. 
to be in devotion doesn't mean that for seven, seven lifetimes beyond this moment that you have to stay in it. Devotion means like in this physical moment, can I sustain this frequency of unconditional love, this frequency of commitment? Can I be fully in this momentary exchange with this person and not be wondering what if there's another person better than me? Or what if I shouldn't have left the person before? Like whatever the thing is that we have, this is how we know that we've left the space of devotion because we are what is often shared in the relationship sphere of creating timelines, right? And so our own inner commitment fear doesn't want, does not want to let that go. And so our egos, of course, are trying to protect us from merging in this way with people because it's fucking horrifying. It's the scariest thing ever to actually really be in this full commitment with a person. And so we will look, our egos are going to look for the easiest thing to attach to that's going to give us an exit strategy. And so in the bringing it back to your question, because there's so many layers to it, I mean, more simple about the question, how do you remain in devotion when the shadow comes up? That is the only time you know if you are in devotion or not. It's easy to be in devotion. I'm air quoting it. It's easy to be in devotion when we're in the pleasurable exchanges, but that's not it. Like devotion is like, I will literally hold your hand through the fucking underworld while we go through this together, because that's our mirror. We're here to transmute the shadow. And so if you're not being abused, make a choice to be in a space of commitment, practice devotion. I recommend people set a timeline where they're actually going to do that because it's not a natural energetic for us to be in because it's so expansive. Beautiful. I love that reply. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. It's definitely like when the things do come up, it's like, how can I be, how can I see this as something good and take responsibility for myself and learn Mm -hmm. from this? Right. And there's so much healing that can happen there. And it's really incredible. So where does astrology come into your work with relationships? How does that, how does that work? Oh, it's my favorite. It's the reason I, the reason I even have astrology is that, I mean, it wasn't intentional, but as, so astrologically speaking, if anyone is, knows what this means, I'm a 29 degrees Libra. And that's a very significant placement for a sun to be, because when something is in a 29 degree, it literally means that all of the culmination of lifetimes of that work, all the past karma, all of that has to be integrated in this lifetime. When you're in a 29 degrees, anyone. So if you look at your chart and you see that somewhere, you know that you're like, I am fucking learning this lesson in this lifetime. And so because of that, I'm like integrating in a major way, the fullness of unconditional love through relationship and devotion. So the reason I love that I have astrology is because if you look at someone's chart, I love doing couples charts because we all come up to our edge, right? So we're like, oh, cool. It's beautiful to be devoted to a person. People think like in the three-dimensional way, people are like, oh, if I get married or I have a baby or whatever, or we move in together, then we're going to, everything's going to be sorted. And it's not the truth because it's not the commitment that 
gives us the devotion. That's why I say it's the entry thing, but it's not actually that. And so when we come up to the shadow, that's what shows us if we're capable of sustaining devotion, right? And so how do we work with the shadow? Astrology is a fantastic tool for that because you can see someone's chart and I can see your chart and I can see his chart and I can see what the high road and the low road and the shadow and the light and the integration with that specific person's chart is so that I can show you how to love yourself more. I can show you how to do your own shadow work and I can show your partner how to do their own shadow work. And then you can have that empathy for each other in that process. And it helps you speak to each other better. By understanding that one, we're just, we're, this is a deep concept too. There's a concept that, (laughs) there's a concept that is we're all the same person. Every single one of us is the same person. And we're just living multiple versions of the lifetime. And so when we meet each other, we literally are just meeting ourselves, but there's different lifetimes and there's like all this merging. And so if you think about it that way, then astrology helps make that more clear because there's all kinds of jokes. People love to make fun of Gemini's. We'll use that as an example. Whatever it is that you don't like about someone's chart, what you don't like about a sign, that is in your chart. I hate to break it to the universe, but you have every single energy in your chart. And so when when I work with partners... I can identify the thing, right? I can be like, okay, this is their, this is their conflict. This is what they're moving through. I can find it in their chart and I can help each of them resource within themselves. Where does this show up in me? So if you don't like Gemini and that's your primary complaint with your partner, there's a reason for it and we can work with it. That's amazing. I love that. I kind of, can I... Can I ask something selfish and kind of put you on the spot a little bit? Um, I will totally look at y'all's charts. Is that what you want? Well, <laughs> oh, no, you don't have to. Because I remember one time you were on your story. You were mm-hmm. like asking me about like how two people would interact. Yeah. And I had just gotten engaged. And I was like, because I'm a Libra. Uh-huh. My partner's a Libra. His other, and I know you'd have to look at like the full thing, but maybe we can do a little example, but I know like, okay, so he's, we're both Libras, but he, he, his other two signs are in Scorpio and then I'm a Taurus moon and a Sag rising. So like, how would you use that information just as a So many Taurus moons in my freaking life right now. So many Taurus moons. Um, I want to visually look at it. Will you text me the things and we can like, I will look at the chart or do you have a chart pulled already? I don't have a chart pulled up. I don't know his birth date. I know we can't. Okay. We can look at, we can look at moons. Um, so what you're a Taurus moon and what is he? He's Scorpio moon. Well, that's fantastic because I don't know if you read this post. But did you see the did you see the polarity post that I posted about Scorpio and Taurus the other day? No, I haven't seen this. Okay, you should read this after. You're going to love it. I want to. I almost just want to read it aloud now, but I won't because um, it's long. But all right, so this makes total sense. So 
for everyone listening to know one, all people are compatible with all people. There is no chart that's incompatible. It's just about understanding what's alive there and what we can personally work with. So like I myself am really struggling with the Taurus moon. I also have a partner who has Taurus moon. So like, that's not a coincidence. Also, my sister's a Taurus moon and three of my clients have a Taurus moon and one of my best friends is a Taurus moon. moon. So this is, this makes sense though, because I have a law of Scorpio, like the the largest influence in my chart is Scorpio. And so what is that connection between Scorpio and Taurus? So when you look at the polarities of signs, they're completely like they're opposite, right? This is where the context of opposites attract really comes from because we see that, well, we see it in nature as well, right? And so we have this idea like in every romantic comedy of like, oh, the opposites attract and this is how it is. And so Taurus and Scorpio have such a great version of this because they're exactly opposite on the wheel. So the way that I look at polarity signs is that one's going to go in one direction, one's going to go the other direction, but the goal is to find that middle equilibrium. And what that means is they have a shared cord between them. So if you imagine your Taurus moon and his Scorpio moon walk into a forest at the exact same time, you're both looking for the same like mystical hut, whatever. You're looking for the same gem hidden in the forest, but you're going to go to the right and he's going to go to the left. But this whole time, your path is united, if this makes sense. And so a Taurus moon, Taurus energy in general is about they're both about embodiment, but in different ways. So the Taurus is the as above and the Scorpio is the so below. So the Taurus frequency. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and if you look at this and there's, again, like there's layers to all things. If we look at this, like spiritually speaking, Taurus is the spiritual connection to the embodiment of the physical body. So what is, what is pleasurable to us? What is abundance to us? What do we value? What are we creating within the world? We like to watch things grow in the Taurus energy. And in the Scorpio energy, we are exploring the boundaries of our consciousness. We are exploring the depths of spirit. And so Scorpio, so Scorpio is what contains our sex, death, and intimacy. And Taurus energy is what contains our our embodiment and our relationship to the earth and our relationship to wealth and value and all that. That's what's in the Taurus. And so these two things go together because the Taurus is the as above. It keeps us safe and grounded and contained to be able to go in and explore the edges of our consciousness. And this is all very esoteric course, which is the way I practice astrology, but like applying this to two people, Taurus is sensual, and grounded in their body and they like to have that relationship with the earth and that relationship with the way that they move around in pleasure and Scorpio wants to go deep into the spiritual realms of the same thing so Scorpio embodies the spirit and Taurus embodies the body does that make sense it resonates so much. That's literally like us to a T. That's so funny. <laughs> so it's like so funny. As Scorpio, Scorpio, because it wants to explore the edges of its consciousness, that's where the sex element comes in. Scorpio is the other one. Like Gemini's and Scorpios get more of a bad reputation than any of the other signs. And so the reason that sexuality comes into Scorpio is because 
the only way really in this lifetime, in this human incarnation that we can fully explore the edge of our consciousness is through that. So if we want to know God, what do we have? We have watching seeds grow in Taurus, watching things cultivate, seeing how we embody and what it means to be in a body and like what it means to feel the raindrops on our skin or to watch the snow from our window, right? We see God in nature and we see God through the eyes of the beloved. This is what we have. This is what we have. Scorpio is like, I want to fuck God into you. And Taurus is like, let's plant things together. (laughs) Right? Oh my God. That's so funny. Yep. And so for people who don't know this, the moon rules the emotional body. And so this is why I went into the moon. Because when you're looking at relationship, the sun tells me like the ego scanner radar that we look through the lens of the world too, but it doesn't tell you much about someone's actual relationship or capacity for intimacy, but the moon says a lot. That's why I went to your moon. That is so funny. Yeah, that explains us. I always am just like blown away by astrology. I had my first reading just a few years ago. I didn't really know anything about it before that. I still don't know that much. But every time someone like tells me things about it, I'm just like... What? Like it's it's so wild how it works like that. It really is. And and I think that there's three, there's and this is because because astrology is not a religion. A lot of people think that it really is just a it's a language. But the thing about it, what makes something esoteric is it's like it's oh how does the Fibonacci sequence work in nature like it's something that can't really be understood but you can witness and understand the pattern of the Fibonacci sequence but we don't know where it comes from or why and astrology is like that it's tapping into that symbolism and so when p.s I have a podcast on like comparative religion and helping people usher people into like moving through their spiritual wounds and getting into the space of spirituality in a way that feels accessible to people who are predominantly raised Christian because it's it's the path that I took and so I have a podcast supporting people in that work as well and so we talk about that a lot and we'll put a link to it in the show notes Okay, uh, it's called false, false prophet, but which is funny. <laughs> but um, there's three people. There's like three foundational perspectives as we interact with religion or spirituality that I come across. And you have people that are like really concerned with where we came from, like the chicken or the egg, or like who the fuck is God and how did God, you know, like that. Those people. And then you have people who are very concerned with what are we supposed to be doing now. And there's shadow and light of this, right? There's the whole sin thing comes from what are we supposed to be doing now? And then we have the, where are we going next? And I am, I concern myself though with the, I don't know where it comes from and I don't really know what happens after, but I and just know that it works. I just know that it's real. And so my relationship to astrology is consensually asking the universe to provide me the ability to translate symbolism. That's like ancient wisdom of the planet, but it's not my wisdom. And I have no idea how it works. I just know that it does, which is really interesting. And this is the same thing with any psychic practice, right? Like if you 
spend too much time trying to figure out how it works, you waste your energy not being actually in it. And so I think a lot of people have resistance to any any spiritual practice. It could be yoga. They might be like, well, why does stretching my body in this way do this thing for my endocrine system, right? It's like when we concern ourselves so much with how it works, we stay in the mind, but we don't go down into the embodiment, which is also Scorpio Taurus medicine, bringing that full circle, right? So it's like, this is a whole other rabbit hole. Are we prepared for it? I love a rabbit hole. Give me a rabbit hole. All right. So in the spiritual community on Instagram, bless it. I'm in it too. Right. But they're the, and I'm so grateful that most people I think are moving out of this spiritual bypassing is, is rampant in it. It just is right. And so it's the love and light thing is such a thing. And this is the way I see this, which is, and as a Scorpio woman, and this makes sense why I'm able to translate this, but we came here to have a human experience. We came here to be in a body and to know what that feels like. So when we only allow things to reach our mind, we limit our our capacity to esoterically speaking we limit our capacity to know god and if we're bringing it separate from the spiritual realm like if we stay only in the brain about something we don't really feel it this could be you're having sex and you're wondering the whole time how do i look am i sexy on top am i making the right sounds well then you're not really there right and so that's something i really appreciate about spirituality is that you do have to have a level of faith in order to receive its medicine but that's an insane thing for us to do and so this is another initiation and the way that I see initiation is it's like whenever you come up to that edge where it's like I have to do this thing right I have to surrender in some way that's where you know that you're in an initiation so maybe for you it's like a client is wanting to join one of your courses, but just feels the edge. That is an initiation because their soul knows that what you're there to teach them is their medicine. And this is why having an investment level for a course is so powerful for people because that's equivalent to the level of initiation that their soul is actually ready for. Which is why, and this is so much of the work I see you doing, which I love, and it's such important work for people, which is like, we should offer things, like the spirit of the container, right? So we should offer things at the level that it wants to be offered at, because that's encoded in the initiation for that person. So if you take your offering and you make it half of what it should be, then you actually are robbing that person of the opportunity to to jump in in that way. Right. And so I don't know. I'm lost in this rabbit hole. The whole point, like TLDR, (laughs) TLDR of this is like, you came here to have a human experience. And so anything, literally anything that keeps us too much in the mind 
is taking away our ability to actually be here in the body. And so I'm not saying that you shouldn't research and that you shouldn't find like something concrete to land in. I am saying that we get to a certain point where you can't explain magic. You just have to let magic be. Like, do you know how cars work? I conceptually understand, I think about this all the time. Like I can conceptually understand that you push the pedal and then the car goes. What is science? Like, how do these chemical reactions happen to move us? I I am mystified by that, actually. Or the light switch. Well, that's, like, what, that's what I was just thinking of when you were explaining, you know, like, understanding, but kind of not understanding how it all yeah. works. Because I went deep into science and math in right. my study, right? I was an engineer, so I had to go through, like, you know all of these kinds of physics and chemistry and like calculus, differential equations, all of these like very intense mathematics and, and science courses. Right. And it's still, it very much reminds me of, I see, I see reflections of that world with the spirituality world all the time, because it's like, I kept getting deeper and it just kept getting weirder. It just kept getting there. And even though there's like answers whatever right. there's like not there's not because stuff is being proved and unproved and all this stuff all the time so it's like you kind of just have to have trust anyway and like ask what is what is here for me what is what is what are my right. lessons and it's not like a right or wrong answer for each person is everyone having their own experience and we can make connections with like for me the spirituality that resonates most with me which is actually a religion is Buddhism. And mm-hmm. I felt so much resistance to that until I started meeting these teachers who I was just like, I have no idea how you are the way you are, but like, mm-hmm. I want to be like you. I want to <laughs> be like you. So I'm just yeah. going to go for it. And you have mm-hmm. to surrender every day. They call it taking refuge. You, you do prostrations, you bow down, you put your yourself on the ground because mm-hmm. it's like, you just surrender and you just go with it. And you don't have to fully understand. You just form a face. And that's the thing that's going to, and I mean, and that can be applied to your relationship. That can be applied to your business is like forming this amazing face. Yeah, totally. Exactly. And there's so many things I want to respond to this. Like, because you said the surrender thing, like that's back to the devotion, which is, and it, it's easy to look at it. It's easier, I think, sometimes to look at it in the context of the spiritual practice because it's like surrendering to God. While not easy, it makes sense to us in our culture to be like, I'm serving God, right? Or I'm like serving, and I resonate with Buddhism as well. Um, so when you're in that practice, right, you're in the surrender. And to offer your life to God is to say like, fuck, like I I literally can't do this alone because I'm going to waste all my energy trying to do it. Like, it's not about admitting defeat. It's not about saying that you need answers. It's saying like, I literally came here for a reason and I want to offer myself to something because when I do that, like I enlist allies to support me. Like all the time I talk to my guides and my ancestors and like whoever at like, I talk to them and I'm like, hey, listen, this thing is coming up and I'm noticing my brain going on a loop, right? My brain is going on a loop and it's like draining me to be in this space. Like I can sense to your support. 
Cause I think that we all have guardian angels, but I don't think that they, I think consent is universal yeah. on all planes. Okay. And so I think that like their job, non-negotiable job is like, keep that person alive. If it's their sole contract to be alive, you know, so they'll like stop the train, if you will, if you're, if that's meant to happen. But otherwise I think that we have to consent to their support. And so I do it all the time. Anytime I notice myself on a loop, I'm like, I consent to your support of this happening, please. Like it was for the highest and best of everyone. Right. And, and this is, this is part of the devotional thing with, with Buddhism or with anything else where it's like, when you just choose to be in surrender, then you are in surrender. And then your work is to be in that. Your work is to receive. Your work is no longer to, you know, scan and, figure out how to use your energy or find your purpose or who to love. Your energy is now in it. Your energy is actually there. And so it's the same thing with the embodiment. And so when we stay in the mind, we are not in devotion. So it's related to the shadow work questions too, right? Which is like, it's so, it's so much. There's so many layers to it. And bringing it to what you said about engineering, I was really fascinated with studying engineering as well. And I, really do not like math not because I don't understand it but because of this relationship I have to spirituality it's actually very overwhelming to me so I was like oh my gosh I could never relax because I kept trying to go deeper and deeper and deeper didn't Albert Albert Einstein said this I think he said the more deeply I go into physics the more I believe it got because Mm, yeah I think that was Tim that said that and and so that I love that you have that mathematical element because it's confirmation of that, which is like, yes, you can ask all the questions about magic and you can prove that it's real. And, and it depends on how you want to interact with it, you know? Hmm. Uh, that could be like a whole separate. Okay. I know. I know. There's, like a million, there's so many conversations we can have. So many so conversations. Many. Oh my gosh. Well, I want to. No, you go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> I wanted to bring something forward about devotion since we've sat with this so much, just to give people like a more tangible way to interact with it because it is so philosophical and theoretical. So if you are listening to this and you're wondering, like, what the fuck do I do with this information? (laughs) Like look at your relationship for a second and think about it like this. So everything that comes up in your relationship, separate from abuse, everything that comes up in your relationship can be figured out, can be fixed. So if you don't know how to have sex compatibly, like you can figure that out. That can all be worked through. If you don't know how to talk to each other, that can be worked through. Literally every single thing in your relationship is not a deal breaker. Yeah. That can be sorted, Mm -hmm. except one thing, which is, and this is the practical thing that you get to ask yourself, is this person as devoted to love as me? Oh, yeah. That's a good one. That's it. And so if the answer to that question is no, there's no sense in being in devotion with them. And if the answer to the question is yes, do your shadow work, figure your shit out because that's important. And that person's along for the ride. 
Ooh. Yes, that is so good. That is so, <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yes. Oh my God. I love that. Well, Remy, I think we could talk for like 12 years and yep. we probably will. <laughs> we probably will. But I think that was a beautiful way to wrap up everything we just talked about. So I would love for you to share how people can find you. We're going to link your podcast, we'll link everything, but you know, for the people who are more auditory learners, where can people find you? And how, if people are interested in, you know, having readings with you, what else is coming up in your work, all of that. So if you want to listen to the religious type things, move into the spirituality, you can find me at my podcast, which is called False Prophet. First episode tells you why it's called that. Don't be alarmed at the name. If you want to have a reading, you can follow me on Instagram, which is Remy.Godwin, or you can go to my website, which is RemyGodwin.com. And I offer courses as well. So my current one will be closed by the time this this is live. But I have some upcoming courses. And Melissa, you will love this. It's going to be summer camp themed. So. Oh my gosh, how cute. I love that. So that's that's the way to connect with me for now. And it's always expanding. And just like you, listener, I am an ever-evolving being. And who knows what's next? Mm, I love that. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate you as a friend and a human and someone who's sharing your wisdom. And thank you to all the listeners. Thank you for being here with us. We so appreciate you. Feel free to share this episode, tag me, tag Remy if this resonates with you, or maybe text the link to a friend who would resonate with some of this information. And we thank you for listening and hope you have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Bye.